All right, kia ora everyone. Welcome to Big Reps, where we discuss the biggest sporting stories of the week. I'm James Regan, covering for Norel this week. Joining me is Ollie Ritchie. Kia ora, Ollie. Morning, afternoon. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. And Alex Powell, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Heaps on. Heaps on. So uh, we'll just rip straight into it, eh? Big sporting week. Um, all right. The news, uh, the I guess, great news for women's rugby particularly, the new Super Rugby Women's Comp. Ollie, what can you tell us about this? That's yeah, it's it's, it's been in the, it's well, I mean, it's been in the works for for quite a while, and, and COVID has COVID has disrupted it a, a little bit. They wanted to line it up with uh, obviously the World Cup, which is next year, and they they really want to bridge that gap from provincial, you know, Farah Palmer Cup to the Black Ferns because there really isn't out anything else at the moment. It's been a long time coming. We've seen the Super W competition in uh, Australia for quite a while now. So look, a great move, move absolutely in the right direction. Is it perfect? No, but it's not really supposed to be perfect uh, at the moment. It's meant to be um, a stepping stone, a first a first step towards hopefully something uh, a bit bigger. Uh, but for now, it's certainly a step in the right direction and it will hopefully help bridge that gap up to the Black Ferns and grow women's rugby, which really is what it's all about. Can you just quickly run us through, I guess, the format and, and how it's going to work and how it mirrors kind of super rugby, but not not quite as well? Yeah, sure thing. So it'll, it'll kick off in March. Uh, there are four teams, uh, the Blues, the Chiefs, the Hurricanes, and then a combined kind of Crusaders uh, Highlanders team. That'll be run by the Crusaders based out of Christchurch, but it will be a, a kind of combined Highlanders Crusaders team. Not sure of what that name is yet. They haven't, well, I've decided, but they haven't, haven't told us. Uh, so it'll be a South Island team of, of some description. Four weekends over March, uh, and then there'll be a final as well for the top two teams. So, you know, really these these players are still going to have to work their full-time jobs. They're still going to have to uh, commit, as they o- o- always would have, um, and now they're going to have to play some footy on top of it. That's not a bad thing uh, at all. It's just going to make for some for some pretty busy weeks for them in March. So, yeah, it, it's short and sharp at the moment, but it, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it, it's not perfect, as you said. I guess at least the good, in, the good signs are there from New Zealand rugby and these franchises that they really want to get on on board with this. Alex, do you think this will be a, a huge boost, not just for the women's game at, at every level up until the Black Ferns? Absolutely. Black- I mean, as a nation, New Zealand can't dream of calling itself the greatest rugby country in the world and not have a professional women's club competition. Um, we've seen, you know, women's club rugby take off in other parts of the world. Um, so is it needed? Absolutely. We saw the success of the of the sort of one-off game between the Blues and the Chiefs this year. Uh, and, you know, just bring it on because it's time that we gave our top women's players the chance of playing week in, week out. And I know, like Ollie said, it's not perfect, but you have to walk before you can run. So first steps next year, it's, it's you know, it's time. Yeah, I guess the, the onus is now probably on New Zealand rugby that they've got this year. And, and COVID would have made it extremely difficult, as you mentioned, Ollie, but they've really got to kick on as well after this and, and make it a bigger competition. But that should come as well, shouldn't it? Because more players will appear, more more women will start playing the game once they see yeah. these teams. Yep, that's right. And and um, it's gonna yes, it's gonna encourage that, but it means that at least for now they've got a format. They've got teams, they've got coaches, they've got players in the system. 
um, which is a really important first step. And, and, you know, like Alex was saying, it's not perfect yet, you know, but it's not supposed to be perfect right now. So it's a step in the right direction and it gives them, I suppose, a, a base level to work off and, and to push forward. And, you know, it might help that Silver Lake deal that's been sitting around in the background all year. Oh, I forgot uh, about Silver Lake. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, I, I forgot about it as well until I thought, wonder what could help this competition in the future. Oh, some money. I wonder where some money might come from. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that would that would certainly help. Of course, it's not a silver bullet, but, you know, it's that sort of stuff that needs to happen for this tournament to, to develop into something that that is bigger you know maybe the next step is is two south island teams so we've got a full five team competition then it's maybe two rounds you know it's stuff like that that's slowly growing it before they go okay well now we'll just join up with the aussies and we'll make it a 10 team competition two rounds uh, and we'll play all year oh but we can't afford to pay any of them so they'll have to manage their full-time jobs as well you know it's just those steps that they need to take first so uh, a step in the right direction this will be great uh, for the black ferns in their world cup next year uh, it'll be great for for the sevens team as well it might give them an opportunity to play a bit more 15s because we know the likes of Portia Woodman, Sierra Hidani, Kelly Brazier. These guys will want to play in that World Cup, in that 15s World Cup. So another step, uh, another chance for them, I suppose, to play some 15s as well. Mm, absolutely. All right, we'll, we'll leave that there, but we'll stick with rugby. Uh, the rugby championship is all done and dusted, and I guess the first leg of this Mammoth All Blacks tour as well is ticked off. Alex, what did you make of the whole rugby championship? It was like nothing we've ever seen before, but the rugby was incredibly good from both an All Blacks point of view and a tournament point of view. How did, how did you rate? Uh, I thought, you know, over the last sort of four or five weeks, I've actually been really impressed with the All Blacks. Um, we can't imagine how trying these conditions are for all the teams. We heard Sia Khaleesi, the South African captain, before that last test saying how much, you know, they were struggling. And I think they've had a week less worth of rugby than the All Blacks. In terms of what uh, the All Blacks did, I think if you have asked them before the start, you can win it with one game to spare. They'd have bitten your hand off. Um, the fact they didn't get that sort of grand slam, as they were calling it, by beating South Africa in that last test, uh, you know, they, you, you probably would want to see them win it, and they'd want to see them win it. But definitely, a good signs are there. Uh, a little bit of worry about the way those South African tests played out, but that's what the All Blacks will need over the next couple of years. They'll need these tough tests because that's what you're going to get in a World Cup. Yeah, I was going to touch on particularly those two South African tests as well. The first one was the 100th um, anniversary, which was a a magnificent occasion and a lot of criticism, I guess, of the way that game played out. I personally enjoyed it because it was different. It was something different and we, you know, we don't always get to see the Springboks play particularly like that, but they certainly, they certainly roughed the All Blacks up a little bit as well. Ollie, compare and contrast those two games but were you a fan of, of the way they played out and it wasn't your typical New Zealand style of rugby that we've become used to? It's, it's not so much the style that um, that I've got a problem with. That, that's how the South Africans are going to play and they're not going to apologise for that. It won them a World Cup two years ago. Why would they change it? You know, they're not here to entertain you. They're here to win rugby games and that's as blunt as it is. Um, I was just really happy to see the All Blacks tested and tested in that way. Uh, you know, we... <laughs> We know we can beat the Wallabies. We know we can beat the Pumas. Yes, we lost to them last year, but we know we can beat them and we, we beat them comfortably this year. Same with the Wallabies. This was, I think, 
the, the test that everyone wanted to see. And it was the test that really Ian Foster needed his first test against the Springboks um, as head coach. How is he going to handle a real change in tactics, a change in physicality? Um, and, and, you know, for, for large parts, we, we handled it okay. It wasn't perfect. And if we're honest, I think uh, one win each was probably the fair and the right way for that series to play out. Um, neither side deserved to win both of them. Um, but neither side probably deserved to lose both of them. So I think uh, all in all, a good thing for the All Blacks to have them tested in that way. And it will have answered a few selection questions, I think, for Ian Foster and maybe maybe just throwing up a, a couple more headaches as well. Yeah, I was going to ask as well, who who stood out for you? We obviously saw Geordie Barrett step up massively, particularly in that first game, but he was he was really good across the whole rugby championship, really. But who else really stood out and maybe maybe is on Ian Foster's radar a bit more yeah, now. I, I think obviously Geordie Barrett, yes. I mean, that that's the clear one. I, for me, he, he was uh, my player at the tournament for the All Blacks and, and probably out of all four teams, um, he was just immense and he's really owned that 15 jersey. And boy, oh boy, is Damien McKenzie's trip to Japan next year uh, looking <laughs> like a worse and worse decision um, because he is just going to give Geordie Barrett more time to submit that 15 jersey. Uh, a couple for me stood out. Uh, Jimmy, Brad Weber, I think, has now surpassed TJ Pedernata as our, as our second-choice halfback. Obviously, uh, Aaron Smith is, is still our first-choice halfback, even though he's not on this tour. I think the speed of his service to Bowden Barrett, you could really see how much more time Bowden Barrett had on the ball in that second test. He was able um, to just run that back line a little more comfortably than he was with TJ. And we saw TJ come on, the service slowed down. We saw him give that one to Damien up here that got him absolutely hammered uh, in that ball and all tackle. So I think Brad Weber uh, had a really big tournament. Ethan Blackadder as well. This is a really interesting one for me because Akira Ioane has played very well in that six jersey against the Wallabies and against the Pumas, against two teams who allow you to play expansive rugby and, and, and play in those wide channels where Akira Ioane can really make a nuisance of himself because he can run straight over the top of small outside backs, and that's great. And this is not a blight against Akira Ioane, but I just think Ethan Blackadder showed us in those two South African tests in particular that he is just an out-and-out mongrel. He is an out-and-out loose forward who loves the collision, who loves the breakdown, who loves making tackles, who loves getting his head into some dark, dark places at that breakdown, and he was an absolute menace. So if you're Ian Foster at the moment, I wonder if you're thinking, actually, yes, Ethan Blackadder is in his first season as Test Rugby, but Akiri Iwane is hardly much more experienced. I wonder if there's a question mark against who your starting blindside flanker is at the moment, because I think... Ethan Blackadder showed you what an out-and-out Jerome Kaino-type blindside flanker can do. Akiri Iwane obviously showed a really different skill set. Both very good tournaments, both really, really strong tournaments. be interesting to see what Foster does on the end of your tour. Yeah, and it is a lot of games in a short space of time. So Ian Foster probably wouldn't have had a choice but to bring a lot of those guys in. And that would have been, I guess, part of his his thinking or his hope that he would see these guys really step up and he, and he definitely has. It seems like the, the depth of the squad now has just got so much stronger because they've been so concentrated um, in, in, in playing these games ahead of even the Northern Tour yet, which we haven't <laughs> we haven't even got to. Alex, who, who stood out for you apart from those couple that we, we've already mentioned? There is someone who, for me, hasn't really got enough credit for way, the way he played on the tour. Is actually Scott Barrett, right? Because I was thinking to myself watching that test, at no point were we saying, geez, the missing Sam Whitelock. You know, Sam Whitelock, who's you know, proven to be a colossus this year. But, they, you know, mm. he wasn't. And I know Scott Barrett's now coming home ahead of the Northern Tour. Um, but, it's it, again, that second row 
aside from the loose forwards, is going to be a real selection headache. When you're thinking some of these guys are going to miss out, building to a World Cup, you know, might not be on that plane to France. I know there's a lot that can happen in those two years, but geez, it's going to be a big build up. Mm, yeah, definitely. We um, should stick with rugby, rugby again, uh, and just touch on the NPC. It's it's a really crucial time at the moment for the NPC um, with these Auckland teams needing to get out and needing to start playing. Ollie, what's the kind of latest on where this sits, and is this is it going to happen? Are we going to see them play? We're, we're in the same place we were two days ago. The, the thing is, is that it's not going to happen, in my opinion. It's just too risky. The, the, the main reason, as I understand it, that part of um, their, their application to move themselves to, to Topor and to base themselves, Topor don't want them. Topor don't want three Auckland-based rugby teams coming and setting up camp uh, in their town where they've got no COVID. Now, that's not to suggest that they're going to bring COVID with them, but you get what I mean. They're, they're sitting pretty at the moment. They don't want them. And so the government keeps declining these applications. As far as I'm concerned, you're out of time. It's a shame, absolutely. Um, but I just don't think there's any way that you can have a proper NPC season anymore unless you can get them out maybe by the end of the week, give them a week training camp, full contact training, um, sorry, 15 minutes contact training uh, per World Rugby Guidelines, of course, um, but get them into that situation and then complete it. Other than that, I would just chalk this year up as one of those COVID-ruined years, um, you know, play out the rest of the rest of the season as you have been with those teams that can do it. Get rid of promotion relegation. Don't worry about that for this season. I know the Taranaki fans out there will be mortified at the thought of that, given how well they're going down in the championship. But just write it off. It, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about that stuff. It was like the world rankings last year. It's just irrelevant at the moment. Play the games you can. Award the title to the premiership and the championship winners and leave it there. And then come back next year, say, bugger, it didn't work out that well. Not our fault. We'll do it all again next year. Yeah, I guess that leads us on to a, a more wider issue, and that's sports teams and athletes getting exemptions to leave Auckland and, and Waikato at, at the moment. Alex, how do, you, how do how do people feel about this? On one side, it's it's a few people that have to join up with a national team or, or a local team, and that's kind of what needs to be done. But on the other side, a lot of people are also doing it pretty tough and not getting exemptions for various reasons. Yeah, gauging reaction, it, it does seem to be pretty mixed. There is, you know, the understanding that these things need to happen for people to keep their jobs. I mean, I know we joke about level three being about, you know, takeaways, but it is actually about allowing businesses and, and workers to come back where they can. And rugby, oh, sorry, sports, no different, where these, you know, fixtures have to go ahead so people can get paid. Uh, I mean, Again, the system is just such a, a mess by the sounds of it. You've got guys like Hayden Wild is, is stuck overseas with his Olympic medal. He can't come back into the country because of the MIQ system. City kickboxing and their sort of stable of fighters can't, you know, are having just as many headaches. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of, you know, questions without answers in this pandemic. I think this is just another one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's one of those issues you could ask 100 people and you'll get an even split. Um, it just depends what side of the fence you're on. But it's certainly, it'll certainly be interesting to see how that kind of progresses if we stay in this longer, particularly as we welcome the summer codes into the frame and people just need to start doing a little bit more. So I guess it's, I guess it's a wait and see from that point of view. But we'll, we'll move on again uh, to the NRL grand final. The Panthers, after the heartbreak of last season, managed to get it this year. So many stories to come out of this, Alex. 
what was your what was your favorite from the night there was there was as i said so many particularly in the week building up to this one as well but what what caught your eye i I mean the one that that isn't going to go away anytime soon is the fact that ivan cleary's finally got his premiership ring you know lost it as a player he's lost two as a coach and now he's you know he's finally got that grand final win so i mean that was you know that was pretty special to see the fact he did it with his boy uh, with his son Nathan, it was the best on ground of the night. Again, it's sort of stuff like you know, and a it's nice to see a grand final without the storm and the roosters in it for a change. Um, so I think either side, you know, had you know the storm, not storm, the bunnies or the panthers won it. It would have been great for the neutrals. Uh, but yeah, seeing Ivan Cleary finally lift the trophy was yeah, that was pretty cool, especially with his ex Warriors connection. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice to see and. Ollie, I'm going to ask you, but I know you're a hopeless romantic, so I'm picking it was Brian Tall for you getting down on one. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't, actually. I was a hopeless romantic for Benji Marshall because I desperately wanted Benji to to leave... with with another another premiership, um, it, w- it wasn't to be. Yeah, the Brian Tyler stuff was was funny. I was watching that unfold, and I was like, "What are you doing? Like, don't do that! <laughs> oh, Come on, oh, what are you doing, oh, Brian? And would you have and would you have done it if you'd lost? Yeah, he said, but we said he wanted to do it in Origin, but never got the chance. Maybe just do it, you know, yeah. in private. So yeah, that's just so, you. I mean, good on him for finally getting it done. I, yeah. I, I imagine if she said no. I did feel sorry for, for Cody Walker, man. I mean, yeah. God, isn't sports so brutal? Like, what a great individual try in the first half. And for a lot of that that, that game, the Bunnies were just treating water, A eh? Like, the Panthers were all over them. But the more the game went on, the more you felt like the Bunnies were winning the mental challenge because the Panthers just could not break them and could not get over the line. And it didn't matter that the Bunnies were scrambling every single set and then back for another drop, uh, goal line dropout, scrambling another set, back for another goal line dropout. They kept the scoreboard at eight all for, for most for the most part of that game and they were winning the mental battle. And then they, that... They, they couldn't catch a break either. Yeah. Um, Adam Randall's kick didn't go through. I was just crestfallen because that... He is a player that has given so much, not just to the game, but to that club as well. He grew up as a junior, has come right through the ranks, won, it, won the premiership with them before and didn't really want to leave South either at all, but he's going to the Broncos next year. And you just felt for him as soon as that kick missed and it didn't level the score. It was just another kind of way that you wanted to see the Rabbitohs actually win that one because we've obviously got that Benji connection and Wayne Bennett as well, who is such a such a master of, of every art possible in the game. So it was also nice to have a final that you didn't really mind who won. From particularly from maybe a New Zealand point of view, because we've got that connection with Cleary. Um, now, I guess we've also seen the other side of rugby league uh, with the Melbourne Storm saga that's unfolded over the past few days. Reese Walsh has obviously been handed his um, his penalty as well for what he's done. You have to say though, Alex, they dealt with it pretty well, considering what it was and how bad it could have been. Both clubs fronted up. Um, Reese Walsh in particular fronting up on the day of it's it's been pretty pretty well well handled in terms of the Warriors absolutely um, you know like you said they did it on the day Reese Walsh was there you know he got arrested in the early hours of the morning and fronted in the afternoon um, as a 19 year old kid you know doing that regardless of what age or however experienced you are as we saw with the Melbourne Storm that's not easy to do and Reese Walsh did it straight away so full credit to him and to Cameron George the Warriors CEO uh, in terms of the Melbourne Storm one it just appears to be a farce, not confirming uh, were they or not 
you know, caught with drugs when it's there, you know, you can see the drugs there. There's a there's a sort of cliche in medicine, which is if you hear who think horses, not zebras, which basically means it's it's the most obvious answer is probably what it is. And that's what's happening here. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting to watch that press that press conference the other day with the players fronting up, but I guess these these things happen, don't they, Ollie? And it is part of the theatre of, of rugby league, you would say. They certainly happen in the NRL, that's for sure. <laughs> it can, couldn't be an NRL season without something like this. It's just, it's magic. It's perfect. It's everything that you hope the NRL will be. Um, no, uh, look, yes, I completely agree with Alex. Well handled by the Warriors. Perfect. An example for all franchises, not just in the NRL to follow. Uh, but when you screw it up, you front up. Uh, and they did that really well. Again, God, it's just a bit of a farce with the Melbourne Storm, isn't it? Yes, they've handed down sanctions and penalties and fines and they've fronted, but there's still a big lot of denial there that they don't want to touch the elephant in the room, which is what was that white substance in that bag. And like we said, we all, we all know what it was. So just front foot it, own it. You guys made the mistake. You just watched a 19-year-old kid in his first season front it. How about you take a leaf out of his book? Yeah, absolutely. All right, we've had highs and lows then this week, so that moves us on nicely to our to our MVPs. Uh, I'm going to go Nathan Cleary um, for kind of obvious reasons, but it was it was so magical to see him win that grand grand final. Um, after going through the ringer in the past couple of years, he's been up, he's been down, he's had um, some off field stuff as well, but he's bounced back and he's been a true professional and a, obviously a future great. Of the game, so I I was personally pretty chuffed to see that. Ollie, have you got an MVP for us? Yeah, s- same league theme. I'm going to go Benji Marshall. Um, word is that he's about to retire, um, and what a career that he has had. Yes, it didn't end uh, the way he was hoping for with with a with a premiership, but you know that guy is such a professional. Um, and you know he was immense for the Tigers. He tried his hand in Union, that did not work out. He admitted that didn't work out. He went straight back to league. Um, and, and he continued to do amazing things there. Such a such a great leader uh, in that uh, in that space, um, and one for for a lot to look after up to. So a remarkable career for Benji Marshall. Um, so he'll be my MVP. Mm. I think sticking with the league theme, I think I'm going to go with Tamari Martin as my MVP for the week. Uh, so if you don't remember Tamari Martin. He, Kiwis International, handful of tests for New Zealand, a uh, few games in the NRL. I think he, play, he would have played more than 50 across stints with the Cowboys and the Panthers, went to a grand final and lost it. Uh, but he had to retire at the start of 2020 with a brain bleed. So last Saturday, he made his comeback uh, playing for Waikato against Wellington in the national comp. Uh, they, Waikato scored, but they smashed Wellington off the park. Uh, they scored about 10 tries and he had a hand in four of them. Um, so if the Warriors are looking for a playmaker next season, Tamati Martin, I'm sure, is free. Medically pending, of course. But Cam George, if you're watching this, just give him a buzz, mate, because he's there. Yeah, a, a really remarkable um, story, that one, and so good to see. All uh, right, that, that about does it uh, for this week. Plenty of sport on again this weekend. The third instalment of Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury as well. So make sure you have a look at that. Uh, you can keep up with all the sport on yourself.co.nz, and we'll see you next time.